I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Betsy, a 38-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, straight, monogamous, and in a relationship. Last year, Betsy came to me to do sexual communication coaching as she considered branching into some new sexual explorations. She tells some of that story in this episode. If you're interested in learning about coaching with me, visit me at leahcarry.com and click on coaching. I'm so pleased to introduce Betsy. So Betsy, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here. Let's go back to the very beginning. Do you remember how you discovered the idea of sex? No, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and I have, I was really inhibited as a kid. Like I found masturbation pretty early, but aside from that, I did not think about actually having sex with a guy for a very long time. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I I was young. (laughs) I mean, I was young when I got into masturbation and I was, uh, oh God, I can't even think, Leah. I can't think when I started thinking about sex itself. Yeah. So when you discovered masturbation, I take it from what you've said that you didn't necessarily equate that to sex. No, it just felt good. Yeah. Do you remember how old you were when you found masturbation? Um, probably somewhere around puberty. Um, I think I got my period when I was 13, but I also remember finding my dad's Playboy magazines Uh younger than that. I think, I think I was younger and like looking at them, you know, just to see what women were supposed to look like and stuff, which is interesting. (laughs) That is interesting. That idea of what women are supposed to look like. And yet those are sort of the impossible (laughs) women. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. What did you take away from those magazines? Did you have some idea of how you were supposed to grow up to look? Oh, not like I did. Not like I did. (laughs) You know, (laughs) buxom, but skinny, like, you know, curvy. And uh, I was always a little chubby. Mm. Just not like I did. Yeah. (laughs) How did you feel about your body as you were growing up? Um, Pretty poor pretty poor. It's actually been really very recently, just in the last few years that I have felt okay about my body at all. It's always been mostly a hate relationship. I've been, I was physically active as a kid, but um, I also had a lot of pain from 
the time I was like 12 when I had Lyme disease. And so my relationship with my body was pretty poor. You know, after that, it was just, I just hurt pretty much all the time. And then it got really bad as I was a adult and then I've fixed it. And now I feel great, but yeah, no, <laughs> I hate it. I have always hated my body. So uh, you mentioned both that you feel better about your body, but it sounds like you also feel better in your body physically. Did those two things happen at the same time or did you go through them separately? It was a progression. Let's see. About uh, six years ago, I lost 80 pounds. Wow. Um, yeah, I had gotten really unhealthy meds, <laughs> birth control, and then antidepressants, and a very unhealthy re- relationship with my ex-husband. And I was miserable. I was sick. I had to stop working. I was so sick. And I went off all of my meds and really studied up on how I was going to get my health back under control for myself. And I lost 80 pounds ridiculously quickly. And it's stayed off since then. I've lost a little bit more. The pain almost completely went away. I started to feel like even four years ago, I was saying that um, I was in less pain than I had been since I was a kid. Wow. Like a kid before before I was a teenager. And um, so feeling better physically within my body was huge. After I got a divorce, it took a couple years. And then I started to realize that I didn't look stupid to men. And then it's actually been my current partner that has made me really start to look at myself differently. I've also been doing an exercise program just in the last five months that is all uh, sexy dance routines. Um, it's based on ballroom, but it's very sexy and it makes me feel sensual and sexy. And I've got some muscle definition and I'm just starting to feel really excellent about myself. So it started by losing a bunch of weight and feeling less pain physically. Um, and then it's just gone from there. I want to know all about the sexy dance routines. I've been doing this now. I've been doing it six days a week and I do it in my underwear, just my underwear and a sports bra and sneakers. It's really sexy. And it's a lot of hips. It's a huge amount of core. And um, like I still have quite a lot of padding on top of my muscles, but I have muscle definition underneath the padding. Like I can actually see it. It's crazy. It's awesome. (laughs) It makes me feel so good in my skin. I wonder if part of feeling good in your skin is the fact that you're accessing that sexy, sensual part of yourself as opposed to, um, and this is not shade to people who go to the gym, but like they're focusing mostly on their muscles as opposed to like the sensual energy inside their bodies. Absolutely. That is probably 100% accurate. It helps that I'm having incredible sex. (laughs) (laughs) But between the two things, you know, this just adds so that I feel sexy for like a huge chunk of, you know, I have a mirror in front of me when I'm doing these videos so that I know that I'm working the right stuff. But it also means that I'm looking at myself and I'm more, I guess, acclimatized to my body. And I've been watching it 
be more coordinated and stronger and sensual and sexy. It's very cool. You mentioned that you came to the idea of sex with a partner later. When you did start thinking about that, what were your experiences? How did you how did you feel about it? I was a horse girl, and then I was an animal science girl, and then it, all it meant was I was around girls all the time, and I wasn't particularly attracted to them. So I had very little opportunity to be around guys and I've always been super shy and so even the guys I was interested in I played it so cool that they would never have known and so by the time I had the opportunity like literally this was a guy who was separated from his wife and he was looking for something to rebound into I think and it took me completely off guard because it was the first time anybody had really shown interest in me. Actually, Leah, there's a different experience before that. Mm -hmm. But that's when sexual intercourse actually happened. Um, It was at that point, I was like 27, 28. And I was just so fucking relieved to just get it over and done with. He had no idea I was a virgin. And I, I mean, I just wanted I didn't care. Like, it was just like, let's get on with this already. Like, yeah. it wasn't a big deal. It was just like, oh my God, can we just do this? <laughs> yeah. I remember I was 25 and I, I was with my first serious boyfriend at the time. But I also remember that I wasn't particularly attracted to him. I didn't particularly want to do this thing. I just wanted to not become the oldest living virgin. <laughs> yes. Well, I have you beat. <laughs> So you mentioned that there was somebody before him. What was that experience? Yeah, um, it might have been why. I don't know if it was why I didn't go out and get something later. I think that I was still too shy after that. But um, out of college, um, I went to the bar with a coworker and or two coworkers. And um, one of their friends was there. And uh, I wasn't particularly attractive. But again, it was like I have never had an opportunity and I just want damn it, I just want to do something. So we went out to the car and started making out. And um, one of the podcasts that I already listened to for you, the exact same thing happened. He just pushed me down on his dick. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a penis Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all. And so it was just, it was uncool. And um, what's really fascinating is I love giving head. Like, it's one of the things that I love to do. And so, um, it doesn't make any sense that I would, hmm. but that, that was my first sexual experience. Did you feel violated by that experience? It's funny. Um, it hasn't been till me too, that I ever revisited it at all. Hmm. I just blocked it out. Not in a bad way, just in, in like a, uh, that's not something I want to think about again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yes. And especially in retrospect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all been through that Me Too movement there. It's what happened, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's just what how it goes. That's how it works. And um, so it's, it's pretty empowering for that to be different now. Mm-hmm. So then with the, the man who you had sex with the first time or you had intercourse with the first time, uh, what was that experience like? You said you it wasn't really anything for you except let's just get this over with but did you have any pleasure during that 
Oh yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had played with toys with myself before. So it wasn't like there was anything radically different except that it was somebody else's something (laughs) (laughs) in retrospect he wasn't particularly big and so it was fine it was kind of whatever with that partner in fact that was the first time I had sex that was the first time I had anal sex because he wanted to try and I was like "Eh, what the hell whatever Mm. and what's funny is I don't even remember that as being a big deal it was just something he wanted to do. And I was like, okay. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed him. I certainly got pleasure out of it. Even though I've been inhibited, because I've been aware of getting sexual pleasure by myself, it's been something that was, other guys could certainly give it to me as well. Mm. So it's like your body knew that experience. And so you could access that with other people as well. Yes, yes. Perhaps because I've always had a hate relationship with my body. I didn't, I wasn't worried about what they thought of my body. Like I hated it enough. Like they didn't, I didn't really care what they thought as long as they were happy to, to, you know, be with me. Oh, that's gives me fascinating. Pleasure, takes pleasure. Yeah. And, and that's the first time I've really thought about that, but it makes sense to me in that way. It's like, well, I already hate it enough, so it doesn't really matter what you say about it. It's, you know, just give me pleasure. Uh, there was a little while after that one guy that I played at a bar, as in like three months out of my life that I went to the bar and had one drink for the entire night. But I took somebody home on a really regular basis. So I got to play and I got to see a whole lot of different penises and a whole lot of different guys. And I had a lot of fun. Somehow I managed to be safe and never get pregnant. <laughs> I use condoms every time. It sounds like you went from super isolated, inhibited, introverted to going to a bar and taking home lots of different men. What was that shift? All of a sudden men were interested in me and I had never seen that before. And I needed to get to a physical location where I guess I could see that there were guys interested in me. Even now, like I can't go out to grocery store or the car dealership and see guys looking at me as if I'm a sexual being. Mm -hmm. And that's not completely true. Just in the last few months, I've been able to do that. But um, I had to be at a physical location where you're supposed to get picked up. That's so interesting. I I completely relate with what you're saying, because I have never felt like I'm one of those girls who anybody notices Mm -hmm. until I started to feel better about myself. And then I started to notice other people noticing me. But I'm not actually sure that it's any different. I wonder if other people were noticing me, I just wasn't in the headspace to be able to recognize it. Right. I guess I have to assume that that's how it worked. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about it, Leah, it was the dance floor at the bar. Mm. I had so much fun dancing. Huh. And now I'm dancing in front of the mirror and I feel really good. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of funny. So when you were dancing on the dance floor, did men approach you? Yeah. Because that's what they're supposed to do, right? Right. (laughs) So you didn't have to be the one doing the approaching. You found a place where you could fit into the sort of milieu of what was supposed, 
quote unquote supposed to be happening and find mm-hmm. kind of your happy place in that situation. And then it was mm-hmm. okay to receive that attention. Right. So you've mentioned that you were married previously. How did you meet your husband, your ex-husband? Um, match.com. Um, I went on a date with him and hated him. Thought like there was nothing. There was nothing. Um, and then a few days later, he texted me and asked, asked if I was still interested. And I legitimately thought he was somebody else that I was still interested in. <laughs> And it would have, you know, in retrospect, it might have been nice for me to remember and say, oh, no, sorry, dude. (laughs) But whatever. I was married for eight years. (laughs) And what was sex like with him? Extremely vanilla. Mm. Yeah, beat it right out of me. I had a very high libido when I first got together with him and his was not. And it was also uh, now. It's the middle of the day here. This is the couch. (laughs) It was extremely vanilla, like being exploratory, like exploring anything in sex was, oh God, I think it was even just cowgirl. Like it wasn't even doggy style. Like it was just not missionary was a big to do. Wow. He was great at going down on me. and. I enjoyed going down on him for the most part, but it got to the point where he rejected me so many times when I wanted sex that I stopped wanting it. Mm. I stopped masturbating for the most part. Mm. And it wasn't like we went for years without anything. It would be like once a month, but um, it just, that wasn't enough for me. But then it was like, I just didn't even want to do it. And then the last time we had sex, I had already decided that I was leaving. I was waiting for the proper time to let him know. And uh, he came and I burst into tears. (laughs) It was just bad because he, he, towards the end of our relationship, he got his libido back. And I was just like, it it really became one of those, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll just lay here for a minute. All right. Thanks. Can I go to sleep now? Mm Mm-hmm. It was very much that way for like the entire last couple years of our relationship. I just felt put upon, but it was easier to just let it happen. Mm-hmm. I never had fantasies, or at least I tamped them down so that I don't remember ever having them. I never thought about what else got me going, except every once in a while there was some random, really weird stuff that like turned me on physically if I was looking at pictures or reading about something. And so I was starting to get an inkling of what was interesting to me. But I certainly wasn't going to be able to do with my Mm ex-husband. You know, like Mr. In the evening after dinner in bed. Yeah. (laughs) Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. 
Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So what were some of those things that you were getting inklings about? Honestly, I never read any like I, I never read, I went, never went on the internet and looked at BDSM or anything like that. And so I wasn't sure what it was, but, um, God, looking at books on torture, like, mm. and they were starting to turn me on. I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> or, um, Oh, shades of gray. But that was more recent. Obviously there was another, um, I read fantasy and there was a series that one of those series is that could be in the romance section, but you could tell that the author fought pretty hard for it to be in the fantasy section. Um, but there was really rough sex, really kinky stuff in that. And not only that, but the main character really wanted the rough sex. And, you know, she, she really loved one of the many guys and he wasn't into that stuff. So, that, so she had really calm, they didn't call it vanilla in those books, but, she had really calm sex with him every once in a while, but she wanted the rougher stuff. And it was, that was like, hmm. but again, I never really allowed myself to think about it because that wasn't something that was in my realm of possibility. Hmm. So what made you start thinking about it as being within your realm of possibility? You. <laughs> <laughs> Flat out um, as you were, chronicling your year of experimenting and getting in touch with your sexuality. It was like, Oh my God, real people do this. Holy shit. Real people do this. Yeah. So it started me thinking about it and I would just, I started, I guess to just Google BDSM and just look at the pictures. And I realized that, mm, yeah, mm -hmm. nothing hard. Like I don't, I'm not interested in getting tied up and suspended or anything. But yeah, and I was starting to realize that pain does it to me a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, honestly, it was you talking about your experiences that like allowed me to start looking at myself more. 
It's part of why I'm doing this podcast, because I think that we need to hear other people's experiences in order to understand what might be possible for us. Right. That's the entire reason I actually wanted to do this podcast for you. Mm. Just the impact that you had on me. If, if anything that I say could give somebody else a, oh, moment that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really grateful that you decided to, to do it, to be brave. So um, let's talk about meeting your current partner and how that happened and how you got to that place. We were Facebook friends. I don't even remember why. Um, I saw that he was using a cane and I wasn't sure why. Like I, and I never really asked my parents about it because it wasn't that important. You know, it was just a kid from my past. And so he sent me a letter that he had written to the parents of the kids that he coaches wrestling for explaining that he has MS and it's um, primary progressive. And so like, it's a really huge deal. And that, you know, what he said to his wrestling parents was, this is, you know, my passion in life. I'm going to do this until I can't anymore. Hmm. So that just got us talking. I automatically fully trusted this man from the moment we started talking again and I can't explain it I think it was because of remembering him as such a sweet great guy as a kid and then it just he's been completely open and honest with me for all of the relationship and that's been incredible and so necessary because my ex-husband was not honest Mm. um so how did you feel about getting involved with someone who you knew from the jump has a chronic and progressive illness? Um, when we got involved, I thought I was looking for a play partner. Mm. And not only that, but we had started in our texting to go back and forth about, like I was starting to hint that I wasn't interested in vanilla because that's what I was getting about myself. And I wanted to explore that. And so I wasn't looking for a relationship. I was not looking for a relationship. (laughs) Say it again for the people in the back. (laughs) This was experimentation. This was play. I wanted a play partner. You introduced me to that term and I wanted to explore this part of myself. And so, yes, I am a sexual being and I wanted sex, but I wanted to try this thing that was starting to become something that I was really interested in. And lo and behold, this man that I've known since I was like eight was interested too in kink, Mm. but also hadn't explored it. And so we started to explore kink completely on our own. And then it became more. It was play to begin with. And then it became more and it became more really kind of a really quickly. So let's talk about exploring kink together. What, where did you start? How did you progress? I want to know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I was actually, uh, let me, 
see if you can help me remember. I had discussed with you that I was interested in kink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about that a lot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had an opportunity. And so after he and I had gotten together, found that there was some chemistry there, at least sexual chemistry. Um, you and I talked again. And you were giving me some hints and some pointers, a uh, link to a questionnaire thing. Mm-hmm. A yes, no, maybe list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, he and I were both intellectual and very dirty minded. <laughs> and so we went through the yes, no, maybe thing, the entire list. And um, I think we only ever did it once, but it gave us a really good basis for how to do it. And so we've had conversations ever since then on an incredibly regular basis, actually after every single play session. And that's the best thing, Leah, absolutely the best thing. I was actually just just talking to him about this like a month ago. I still consider them play sessions. Mm. Like he is still like a play partner, even though we have become incredibly close, like, lifetime partner it's still play which gives us the chance to experiment and make mistakes and the mistakes are just funny as shit (laughs) (laughs) laugh so much and and then so we do postmortems after basically all of our play sessions especially if we've done something new we either directly afterwards or like the next day or something like that will rehash which adds to the adds to the fun because you know it's like turning each other on just intellectually talking yeah. about what we did but it also means that oh yeah do more of that you know and it and it it frees up the space while we're playing so that we don't communicate so that if like i don't communicate particularly well during a play session I get completely into my body and I lose my words. (laughs) It's just how I work. And he's great at talking throughout play and turns on, turns my mind on just as much as he turns my body on. And I would love to give that to him as well. But (laughs) I just, I've gotten much more vocal, but it's in grunts. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually incredibly common. Um, I don't know how much reading you've done about this, but there is a a phenomenon called subspace, which is Mm -hmm. when someone is in the submissive role and sort of their, whatever their animal nature takes over, they go into a different headspace where for some people, that means that you lose connection with your verbal faculties. That's a really common thing. I love knowing that. Because it is, it's one of the most freeing, wonderful things Mm. to me. It is not knowing that, but like when I'm in that space of just being taken care of, just being pleasured. It's such an incredibly freeing experience to know that I am good. Mm. Like I'm being taken care of. Plus it's totally fun. It feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) so what kinds of activities in particular do the two of you enjoy together um we've been exploring toys you mean sexually right yes (laughs) (laughs) just want to make sure (laughs) 
Um, he would never have asked me this, but I knew that Ano Play was um, cool to me. I had never really explored it a lot, but I knew that it was, it added a lot to, to my experience. And so we added that in, but I had had um, anal sex before with the partner before him who was not interested in taking care of his partner. Mm. And so there was no like, oh God, I, you know, I bled after every time. Like mm. it was just not cool. But I, but it still wasn't bad. Like it was just <laughs> bleeding for a couple of days. But um, he just takes care of me. And so there's, he's, he's very careful and there's as much lube as I could possibly want. He's, he's, you know, like there's this stop, hang on. All right. Any more lube? Like it, it, it so anal is like, it, it is just communication throughout the entire thing. And he is always incredibly careful. Um, and especially when we first started just anything, you know, um, I mentioned that I'm into pain and he is not, <laughs> Not for himself. And he had to really work himself up to giving me any. And once he realized how turned on I get by it, he's totally turned on. Mm. But it mortified him. So, okay. So a little bit of pain, anal play. Um, we have toys. We have clamps and um, anal plugs. And we got a new thing that's a remote vibrator for in inside the vagina and that's very cool we've tried uh role-playing and the ones that we've done we've enjoyed but it's pretty light we haven't really done anything particularly strong with that hmm. what else is there <laughs> <laughs> well you've mentioned being tied up oh right yes yes so um first it was just one set of cuffs and then I figured out how to cuff myself to my windowsill. <laughs> um, and then we got a four point recently and that's fun. Very so fun. meaning both your ankles and both your wrists. Yes. Uh-huh. And there's another rig thingy jigger that we haven't used as much. He lives kind of far away from me. So we see each other just about every weekend. And then it's really like, play session from when I get there to when I leave <laughs> <laughs> but um we can't always and so yeah as I've gotten more in shape physically and then um as he's been doing this more I have more sensation mm. we have kind of marathon sex sessions and it's just getting better like I swear to God, every single time it gets better and I didn't realize that it could. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, it's like there are times when we'll have a session that it it just feels like one orgasm hmm. from like a couple minutes in until we finish. Like, and it's just like wave, ball, wave, ball, wave. And it's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's pretty cool. Hmm. <laughs> Before we started recording, we had talked about a couple of things you wanted to make sure to mention. Um, one of them was about how being a submissive makes you feel in your life. Mm -hmm. You were mentioning that headspace, the subspace, is that what you called it? Yeah. 
I think that that's probably the easiest place to start with that. It's, I am completely submissive. I am giving myself over to him because I trust him completely. And he continues to stop and make sure things are okay with me. And the more he knows me and my boundaries, the less he stops. But he's also incredibly caring and continues to be really attentive. But it's, it's almost completely about me. And I give myself over to the sensation and to him. But what that does is it allows me to be completely myself in the bedroom. And I can be completely myself in the rest of the world. I'm, I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm able to be that because I have this outlet for full submission. It's the coolest thing that I never even thought might happen. I can be, I could be two people because I, I encompass that complexity. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I am strong and independent and I'm, I'm even that way in the relationship, you know, like when we're not in the bedroom, I'm on top of my shit. Like, and I take care of him and it's hugely important. And yet I can do that even better now because I have this other outlet where I am completely taken care of. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Before we finish up, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have hair down there or are you bare? I have hair everywhere. (laughs) It's actually one of the things that I told him before we ever saw each other. I don't shave and I'm never going to shave again. And he was cool with that. He was going to have to be. And at this point, he's gotten to the point where he thinks it's super sexy. Nice. How much of your sex time is spent in this sort of kinkier BDSM world? And how much of your sex time is spent in um, more vanilla play? That's actually a great question. And we play along the line between, I don't think we do very much. What does he call it? He doesn't call it vanilla. Um, It's something like sweet, um, sweet sex. We do that probably one out of every five. And we do like hardcore tied up, like hardcore. We don't do hardcore anything, Mm. but tied up like another one out of five. And then the other three are borderline where he'll add some pain in. Yeah. So, so our generic sex is not vanilla, Mm -hmm. but it's also not what anybody in the kink world would probably consider kinky. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like it's not, it's not hardcore anything. Sure. How do you feel about the smell or taste of your own juices if he kisses you after going down on you? I've gotten to the point where I really like it. Like I love to suck it off his dick or smell it on his beard. It sounds like that's new. To like it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think to allow myself to notice if I liked it or not. Mm. Do you prefer when your partner makes noise or is quiet? I love it when he talks and makes noise and is your play session over when you come or are you a multi-orgasm girl (laughs) i think before we stopped counting there was one session that was 24 times oh good lord (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) that's kind of what i thought i have to say i call him a sex god on a fairly regular basis Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) And in fact, thank you for sharing everything. This has been just an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful to you for doing this. You're very welcome. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, 
an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Good Girls Talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>